This morning I want us to read starting in 1 John chapter 1 and in verse 5. The Bible says, This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. My little children, these things write I unto you, that ye sin not. And if any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And he is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. This morning I want us to look at being confident through confession. Father, I pray that your hand will be upon this service. I pray that you would bless this hour. Father, calm our hearts, calm our thoughts. May they be all in subjection to your Holy Spirit and what he would have us to know this morning. I pray that my words would be your words and that they would be from on high. Father, bless in this hour. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In our scripture this morning that we read, uh, the word Excuse me, there is one word that is mentioned over nine times, and that word is sin. You and I, if we have been saved for any length of time, have sinned. We've fallen back into a sinful life that we were so wondrously saved from. And often I get this question, well then, have I lost my salvation? Have I lost what I really decided on and the decision or the turning or the repenting that I did, was it really real? And the answer is yes, it was real. If your repentance was founded upon the knowledge and the understanding that Christ died for your sins. But we can fall back into sin. Most people in America do not mention the word sin unless it's in the form of a joke. But we don't like to talk about it. We don't want to know anything about sin unless it's something that we can kind of make light of. But sin in God's eyes is no joke. The Bible teaches us that sin is what separated us from God. Romans chapter 3 says that we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. Thank God that Jesus Christ himself bridged the gap of sin between God and man. He was the only one that could offer salvation uh, as a free gift to all of us. In fact, John writes about that here in chapter 2 and verse 2. He says he, that's Jesus Christ, is the propitiation. That means really, uh, sometimes we use the word substitute, and I think that's an okay word, but really it means Christ is our stand-in. He took all the punishment that needed to be taken. Sometimes the substitute doesn't do everything they're supposed to. How many remember when they were in school and you had a substitute teacher and you used to think, man, I can get away with murder today. I can get away with anything. The substitute doesn't know. But see, substitute isn't exactly what propitiation means because he did more. He was our stand-in. He took every, in every way the sins that we were to bear, he bore. Christians, though, sin after salvation. We've received our new nature found in Jesus Christ. But the old nature is not completely dead. It's not entirely eliminated, this side of glory. 
And although our sins do not cause us to lose our salvation, they do hinder our fellowship. And they do hinder our confidence. They do hinder our ability to go to our Heavenly Father and trust in Him completely as we once did. In fact, Isaiah writes about this. In Isaiah 59, verse 2, he says, Your iniquities have separated between you and your God, and your sins have hid His face from you that He will not hear. Now, he was writing to the house of Israel, God's chosen people. Today, as the church, we are called the peculiar people, those people who are called out as an assembly, the church. And God has the same message for you and I. If we are in sin, God can't hear us. God won't hear you. I think about the, uh, in my life how many times I've wronged my father. Uh, how many times I let my dad down. Uh, my mom and dad are in South Africa right now. Their uh, Dad's going to be coming home on Tuesday. Mom's there for work and she's coming home on Thursday. Uh, but my dad called me this morning. He was in a panic. I told some of the folks, I think I told Billy and Kathy when they first got here. Uh, my dad called me this morning and it was about 9.45 and, and he said, Is everything okay? Uh, my phone rang. Literally, I was here at church and the music was playing and all of a sudden the, my phone rang through the speakers. Uh, and so I'm a little nervous during church and he might do it again. But, but um, he says, everything okay? Well, yeah, Dad, everything's fine. Well, I saw you called. I thought there might be an emergency. You're calling us and we're in South Africa. And I said, well, well I didn't call you, Dad. I, I don't know who would have called you. And what happened was they tried to call us on Thursday and I had tried to return their phone call on Thursday but my dad did not realize that I had tried to return their phone call until about 3.30 South African time today. And so he called me about 9.30, 9.45, our time here. And then after all of that, he said, I didn't interrupt church, did I? I said, no, I did not answer the phone during church. No, dad, you did not interrupt church. Don't worry about it. Uh, but there have been times in my life where I have wronged my father. There have been times where I couldn't have had a simple phone call like that because I had done things wrong against him. Uh, some of us in here probably have done that with our parents. Maybe we've had a child that's done that to us. Uh, maybe we've had a spouse that has wronged us. And we all know the fellowship that is broken when there is that tension that is there. When there is that wrong that has not been resolved. When there is that problem that exists. When there, you might say, is a sin in our relationship. There's a break in fellowship. And sometimes in our Christian life, we lack confidence to boldly go out and proclaim that we're a Christian. We lack the assurance to sit and to sing with a smile or share in a love and a fellowship with our fellow believers because there is sin between us and God. Is that the way it is for you this morning? Is there sin between you and God? Sin is believing you are self-created, that you are self-dependent, that you are self-sustaining, and that you are self-reliant. Truly, when you and I sin, we take God and we set Him aside in our lives. I can do it. I can figure it out. I've got a plan. I know what's best. I can do it myself. Sin separates us and moves us from that relationship. So... John, in his writing, as he writes, as he says several times in this book, to his little children, those whom he loves in the faith. By the way, John, as he's writing this, is probably near 80 years old. Uh, he was the one and the youngest apostle of all the apostles. Uh, he was the one, the Bible says, that the Lord loved. He leaned on the Lord's chest at the Last Supper. He was very close and very intimate with, his, with Jesus Christ. And here he is at the end of his life. 
He comes to this point and he sees, in the, as we see in his writing, he now has a loving relationship with those who are followers of Jesus Christ. It is actually said in, in the uh, legends of the early church that John was at Galatia. And as he was there with the Galatian believers, John in his old age literally would be physically carried into the church meeting. And because he was one of the last remaining apostles, that they would ask the apostle John, tell us something about the Lord. And he said, my brethren, love one another. And after so many times he would tell them this, uh, one of the men in the church stood up and said, uh, Brother John, Apostle John, these are not some other message that we need to have. And he said, Master that and I'll tell you more. And you think, boy, what a man that loved God so much that he understood that he needs to love his heavenly Father, his Creator, and his Savior. So this morning he tells us in this passage three ways to deal with sin. If you have your outline this morning, we'll go through these. There are three ways, I think, that he shows here how people deal or how they handle sin and how we ought to handle sin is what we'll see at the end this morning. But number one in our outline, some will cover their sin. Some will cover their sin. You say, we're, we're looking at being confident through our confessing of sin. Yes, and we're going to talk about that in a moment. But the reason we lack confidence is because we cover our sins. Look what he says in verse 6 of 1 John. He says, if we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, what does he say? We lie and do not the truth. He doesn't say the truth is not in us. He says we're just not doing the truth. Our life as a Christian is an active life. So as some of us cover our sins, letter A, we do so by lying to others. We do so by living a lie before others. You know, we lack confidence so often because we've lived a lie before other people uh, for so long. I heard about a young lawyer who was called from the big city to represent a large railroad company. Uh, it was being sued by a farmer. It seems the farmer's prized cow had gone missing, and he, uh, from which the railroad, railroad passed through his field. And the farmer said, I'm going to sue you. You must have hit it and killed it. Before the case was to be tried, the lawyer cornered the farmer, convinced him to settle out of court for half what was originally wanted in the lawsuit. The farmer signed the necessary papers and then accepted the, the hefty check from the railroad company. The young lawyer could not resist gloating a little bit about his success. He said to the farmer, you know, I couldn't have won this case in court. The engineer was sound asleep and the, guy, the, the, train, the brakeman was in the back in the caboose uh, not looking out the windows. We could not have an eyewitness to account what happened to your cow. You would have won hands down. The farmer kind of got a sly grin on his face and said, that's okay, my cow came home this morning. You know, both of them were liars. Uh, both of them were just lying straight through their teeth. And I wonder sometimes in our Christian life if we're not the same kind of liars. If we, if that we live a Christian life, quote unquote, a masquerading life before everybody around us, trying to put up a veneer or a false front so that everyone thinks we're okay. I've used this example numerous times and I certainly hope it's never true of our church. It's one of the main reasons I never watch out the front door when people drive up. Uh, it's because how many people come to church and inside the car doors it sounds like this. Well, you get on your side of the car and you leave me alone. You two in the back, stop talking like that. You guys need to live a little bit better life. Oh, mama, she's not doing the right thing either. And there's just contention and fighting in the car. 
How often does that happen in our cars? Well, don't raise your hand. I'm, I'm not looking for any uh, condemnation. But in our lives, we often live in the church service, one kind of life, and in our homes, we live a completely different kind of life, don't we? And so as we think about our lives this morning, what kind of covering are you doing? Is there a lying to someone else? Is there a lying to those who care about you? Uh, you might say this morning there are Christians that know the lingo very well. Uh, they even have that little fish on their bumpers, you know. They got the little fish. Oh, well, look, look at us. We got the Christian Jesus fish on the back of our car. Surely we know what's right. Uh, they wear the what would Jesus do wristbands. And on the outward appearance, everything looks fine. I've had the privilege of the last couple of days. I've been volunteering my time helping with the Royal Springs Middle School soccer team. I enjoy it. I love it. I'm excited about being back into doing some coaching, and I enjoy it. But there are some kids out there that can really talk the talk of soccer. Well, uh, coach, are we going to do this on the corner kick? And then they get on the field, and guess what? It, it's nothing against them, but they don't have a clue. Uh, they've played the video games, and they know all the words about it. They've watched the World Cup on TV, and they know how to talk about soccer. But you put them on the playing field, I don't know the first thing about soccer. And I wonder if we don't have some Christians who are here today lying to other people. Pastor, do you know something about me you're not telling me? No. But I just simply know this. Most Christians, uh, most Christians aren't living as genuine a life as they ought to be living before God. John, you're right. He said, listen, if we are walking in darkness, we're lying to people. If we say we're of light, which the Bible says God is light in the verse right before that, in verse 5... But you and I are walking in darkness and do not the truth, then we are lying to God. We are lying to those around us. By the way, people that are usually good at lying to others and covering their sins don't want their sins to be found out. Uh, they're pretty hard to change. Proverbs 28 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, the Bible says. But whoso confesseth and forsaketh, them shall have mercy. God's going to have mercy on those who are open and confessing their sins, not covering it. But not just lying to others. Let her be. Some are lying to themselves. Some today are lying to themselves. Look in verse 8 what the Bible says. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, John says. And the truth is not in us. Do you realize there's some people who are Christians... Maybe just in name only, but though there can be Christians who are truly saved, who have lied to themselves so long and have covered their sin for so long, they have become of no use to God. Oh, they know how to go through the motions. Oh, they know the right things to say. Oh, they know when to be at church and how to act around others to keep them off their trail. And some have done it for so long that they've begun to fool themselves. You see this all the time, don't you? Especially mommies and daddies that have kids, no matter what their age is now. Uh, but in those of us that have really youngins, we'll see it as they go along. Uh, the cookie jar, the lid is off. There's crumbs all around the counter. And what does mom and dad say to little Junior or little Susie there? Did you eat a cookie? No, mommy, I didn't eat a cookie. Now, there's a cookie missing, and no one else has been in here. Daddy's not been home, so I know he's not eating the cookie. Did you eat the cookie? No, mommy, I didn't eat the cookie. 
No, Daddy, I didn't touch the cookie. And that's the kind of mentality that happens. And, and what happens for that little kid, if you ask them the next day, they will have convinced themselves they didn't eat the cookie. You ask them a week later, they will be absolutely assured that they did not touch the cookie. Uh, by the way, it happens for some adults in our society. Some people still think Elvis is still alive, right? They're convincing themselves. They saw Elvis on the street last week. In all seriousness, our Christian lives are no different. There are some Christians, and I would dare say there's probably Christians sitting in here today who have lied to themselves so long about a sin not being important, lied to themselves for so long, covered their sin for so long, that God has said to them, you cannot prosper that way. They've lied to themselves so long that they believe their lie. By the way, I think this is the exact problem that the devil himself has. The Bible says that he is a liar. And that you and I are of our father, the devil, and we are liars. But the devil from the beginning has been a liar so much so, I believe, that he no longer can distinguish between what is true and what is false. You think to yourself, uh, as we consider this, uh, what David said, as David dealt with sin in his life, and as he covered his sin, and as he continued to live in his sin with Bathsheba uh, there, and as after he had Uriah killed, when a person stops covering their sin, they're going to have to come to the point that David did when he admitted, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. David came to the point where he said, listen, I am a sinner. Now, what we see here in the gospel of, or the book of 1 John, in verse 8, he says, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Some of you today may be at that point. You may be saying in your own heart, in your own mind, listen, my sins that I need to confess, my sins that I need to seek for forgiveness for, I'm just going to leave them where they are. Don't do it. The Bible says if you cover your sins, you will not prosper. By the way, I think that has a lot of applications in our life. But most significantly, if you're not prospering, you're not growing. If you're not growing, you're not close to God. As a Christian, what a dangerous and terrible place that can be. I would say this morning to the person that struggles with lying, the person that struggles with gossip, the, struggle, the, the person that struggles with anger and bitterness, the person that struggles with being a workaholic, the person that struggles with alcoholism or tobacco or any of the other sins that can be in our life, all of us need to come to the point in our life where we pull back that wound, open it up, and confess it to God. Do not cover your sins any longer. John tells us if we want to have a confident Christian life before God, we're going to have to stop covering our sins. We come then to number two in our outline, and verse 9 in 1 John chapter 1. All of us should confess our sins. What is the remedy? What is the cure? What is it we're to do to make things right? Well, the answer is found in verse 9. He says, if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Now, what happens so often in our life is we take that verse and we apply it one time. And where do we usually apply it? Salvation. But is that whom, to whom John is writing here? And the answer is no. John is here writing to his little children, those who have already believed in Jesus Christ, those who have already put their faith and their trust in him alone. He says, after that point, you're going to sin. And when you sin, you need to come to the Lord and confess your sin. Pastor, is that getting saved again? No. No, it's simply coming back to the cross of Calvary and saying, thank you for saving me. Thank you for dying for my sins. And forgive me. 
for doing wrong after my salvation. I will always remember this picture in my mind. When I was a teenager, I was privileged to take a missions trip to Costa Rica. Has anybody ever been to a Latin American country, any Caribbean or Latin American country? Uh, have you been to or seen how the Catholic faith practices in those countries? Uh, how condemning it is in their zeal. They have a zeal. Uh, they certainly believe what they believe. And how as a Baptist, sometimes I wish some of us had this, the type of zeal and enthusiasm for our worship that they had. I'll never ever forget seeing a lady who had to be in her mid to late 60s crawling on her knees with blood coming off her knees up the stairs doing penance for her sins at that altar and, and leading into that cathedral. And I thought, lady, I'm just a teenage kid, but I know you don't have to do this. I know this isn't necessary, but in her heart and in her mind, that's what she was doing to confess her sins. And as she finishes her crawl on the back of the wall in that Catholic church, uh, or a couple booths that have curtains and a sliding wall in between, and she gets off those bloody knees and she goes into that confessional and she sits and she speaks into the window talking to some man saying, Father, forgive me for I've sinned. And I think in my heart, every time I think about the word confession, they have it so wrong. That's not what God expects. That's not what God asks for. That's not what you and I ought to be doing. But we ought to be confessing. Confession is, involves the naming of specific sins and saying the same thing about them that God says about those sins. It is seeing sin as God sees our sin. And while the confessionals in a Catholic church could at least serve as a reminder for you and I of the zeal of some people and the lengths that they will go to to have their sins absolved, though they don't cleanse them at all, you and I as believers have one simple thing to do. Pray. Take it to Jesus Christ alone and ask him to forgive us of where we have gone astray. The reason people today do not confess their sin is because they don't agree with God about their sin. Oh, they're saved, but God, this is just a little white lie. How many of us have ever said that? I mean, if we're just honest, it's just a little white lie. Do you know to God a little white lie was still enough to send Christ to Calvary? What? Pastor, man, you're bringing it strong today. I thought we were going to give us some confidence. I am. I hopefully, at the end of this message, all of us realize that the reason we lack an assurance, the reason we lack the confidence in our faith is because sin is in our lives and it needs to be dealt with. It needs to be confessed properly. Confession of sin is vital. It brings a cleansing or a restoration of fellowship and it renews our confidence in, the Christian, in our Christian faith and it is based upon the finished work of Christ on Calvary. So letter A in our notes there, we confess sin through our advocate, Jesus Christ. We confess our sins through Jesus Christ. We don't go to a confessional stall and tell a man, you don't come to church and tell me. Well, Pastor, it just makes me feel better when I let you know. I know you're then praying for me. Do you know who you need to let know about your sin that you're sorry for it? Not me. You need to take it to the Lord. And the Bible says, leave it there. You just take it in prayer, uh, bearing all of your needs and concerns to Him. Uh, that's why if I'm an honest preacher today, I'm going to expose such things as confessional booths and people praying on their knees and doing penance. Confession is made known to God through your heart of, of sincerity in prayer. 
your change of your mind, your repentance. When someone teaches us that beliefs and religions are all the same and that sin is not that bad and that confession is not necessary, we develop a watered-down religion and we have a country that goes off course. That's what's happened in this country. It's not that preachers every Sunday have to teach us how rotten or evil or terrible we are, but pastors all together have stopped talking about sin. And how you and I need to truly hit our knees every day. Hit our knees at the altar every Sunday. And ask God to forgive us of the sins that we've committed. Amen. Confession is necessary. It's done through Jesus Christ, not through any man. Amen. It's interesting, by the way, that we, what we read uh, in chapter 2 there, uh, that Jesus Christ is our advocate. You know, in Revelation chapter 12 and verse 10, Satan is called our accuser. He's the one that stands there before God and says, do you know what these guys are doing? Do you know what that Kyle did? Oh, he calls himself a pastor. Guess what he did this week? Guess what thoughts were on his mind? Guess he's not always pure God. That's how the devil approaches your life and my life before God. You ever want a picture? Go read the book of Job. He was standing there accusing Job before God. Listen, God, he only loves you because you keep him in his, uh, all his money. You keep him in all his finances because you got this hedge about him. God, really? Some of us today, by the way, get this, this misinformed idea that Satan is not allowed in heaven. Currently, he is. Say, Pastor, that doctrine is an error. He is allowed in heaven. The Bible says in the book of Job that he went in with the sons of God. With the other angelic beings who come before God's presence. When, where, and why, I'm not certain. The Bible doesn't exactly say all those specifics. But it does say that he is there. There is coming a day where he'll no longer be there. Or no, be, no longer be permitted there. And thank God that day is coming. But you and I won't be dealing with sin then. Right now, he is our accuser. But thank God, the Bible says in verse 1, that we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. Boy, how great that is. How wonderful that is. Do you know what an advocate does? I've been sharing with some of the church family in Sunday school hour that I've been on grand jury duty. I was telling them before Sunday school this morning. I've been serving on that. I cannot wait until I get off. But, you know, there are some people that hire some good defense attorneys. And there's some other bozos out there. By the way, the one instructive thing, if I ever needed one, I don't think I ever will, but if I ever needed a defense attorney, I know some of the bozos I wouldn't pick up, that I wouldn't hire in central Kentucky. I want a good advocate if I've got to go to the judge, right? If I've got to go to court, I want somebody that's going to speak up on my behalf. The Bible says that Jesus Christ talks on your behalf. How dare you not confess your sins? How dare we not come to him and, and say, God, help me in my need? What a wonderful thought to know that as we confess, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Let her be, God forgives his children based upon the offerings of his son. Everything is based upon the offerings of Jesus Christ. If Christ had not come, you and I would have no advocate. We would have no hope of confessing. We would have no hope of life. There would be no confidence. It would be a religion or a faith built upon works. You and I would be right next to that Sweet Costa Rican lady crawling on our knees seeking repentance. Jesus became our propitiation, the Bible says in verse 2 of chapter 2. Uh, this Greek word, as I said earlier, means that Christ became our mercy seat. In the Old Testament, the, the sacrifices were brought to the mercy seat and offered. Christ, when he died on Calvary, became our mercy seat, offering himself willingly. 
Chapter 1 here in verse 7, if you'll look back there at the end of it, notice what it says. It says, and the blood of Jesus Christ, His Son, cleanseth us from all sin. The blood forgave you the day of salvation. It was capable, it was a capable means of remedy in your life. And it still works on your behalf today. I think of the song, there is a fountain filled with blood drawn from Emmanuel's veins. And sinners plunged beneath that flood lose what? All their guilty stains. How wonderful it is for you and I at the day of salvation that our sins were paid for forever, but that today as we go and we confess our sins to God, we again can become white as snow, a clean sheet before Almighty God. How wonderful that is. How exciting it should be for you and I. Sin brings defeat and discouragement. It, it steals our assurance and our confidence. But confession and repentance brings joy and confidence in our Christian living. You mean if I confess, I'm going to feel a little bit better about myself? Yeah. Absolutely. The guilt and the pain that is there from the wrong that you've had, the tension and the strain and the relationship that you want with God the Father is gone once you've confessed and your relationship is restored once again, finally this morning, some will cover their sins, John says. All should, excuse me, all should confess their sins, but God's desire is for us all to conquer sin. And all of us can conquer sin, number three. In fact, he says so in verse one of chapter two. Look there with me. The Bible says, My little children, these things write I unto you, that you sin not. Notice that phrase. He said, this is why I'm writing to you. I put these things in writing that you will not sin. Now today you may say, Pastor, is that even possible? Wait a second. You're getting real charged up on that second point. But at this point, you really can't get that excited about because it's not doable. It's not possible. You and I can't live perfect, and I know it. What John is here writing is that none of us are really going to ever conquer sin this side of heaven. But we ought to have the desire in our heart that we would sin less and less and less. Thus, growing in grace, growing in our walk, strengthening our walk by faith as we follow after God. So can I conquer sin? The answer is yes. How? Letter A, by walking in the light. How do I conquer sin? Well, I do it by walking in the light. He says so in chapter 1 and verse 7. He said, if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. That's the key. If you and I are going to live the right kind of life, if we're going to conquer sin, if we're going to be confident in our Christian life, then the sins that we're covering, we need to confess. And as we confess those sins, we need to trust that He is faithful to forgive us our sins. As we then go forward, we must say in our heart of hearts, in our mind, in our daily walk, listen, I'm not going to continue in that sin. Oh, it's easy to fall back into the Bible even talks about for each of us individually that the devil, our flesh, and the world have some sins that easily beset us. Sins that are kind of becoming to us. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's arrogance. Uh, maybe it's lying. Uh, maybe it's uh, you know, uh, being I- inappropriate with money. Or maybe it's our thoughts that we don't guard. Maybe it's uh, different areas of our life. Maybe it's wronging our spouse. Whatever sin that easily besets you, be aware. Overcome it by walking in the light. Well, how do I do that? I put two little points on yours. You don't even need to fill them in here. Uh, but little I there, by confessing immediately. How do I walk in the light? 
Confess it immediately. Listen, when you sin, and you will sin, uh, sometimes Christians get this idea or they start on this pathway, I'm never going to sin. You know, they get, the, they get that real holy look on their face. I don't know how they do it, but they get this real holy look, and I'm never going to sin. Really? Well, if you're thinking that way, when you do sin, you're going to be devastated. What you ought to say is, by the grace of God, I will not sin, and when I do, I will be quick to correct it. I'll be quick, quick to fix it. That's why the Bible says a just man falls seven times and rises up again. Look, when you trip and stumble and fall, don't stay down. And the worst part for us as Baptists is we like to shoot people that have fallen. Ah, they used to be here. Don't you remember the guy that, and the lady that were, they were here at church for a while, and man, they just stopped. Well, get out the 12 gauge. We better put Bambi out of her misery. Boom, there goes another Baptist. Let's keep moving. We're soldiers, you know. How terrible that is. The Bible says, rise up again. Get up. You know what you and I ought to do in the book of Galatians chapter 5? says that we're to bear one another's burdens. I'm supposed to reach down. Galatians 6, excuse me. I'm going to reach down and pull people up. Hey, buddy, listen, I saw you tripped. Hey, can I help you? Do you mind if I just put my arm underneath your shoulder? Let me, let me see if I can help you just a little bit. When we're walking in the light, we're quick to seek forgiveness for our sins. And then little I there, or two I, I put by following his word. By following his word. You might write next to little, two, uh, a little a and little i two there. Psalm 119, 105. Easy, wonderful verse to remember. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. One that many children uh, in Christian homes through the years have always learned. But I also would have you write Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. I can live and walk in the light because I know what is right and what is wrong. How? Based upon God's word. That's how I know if I fall and... And I can get back up. Instead of saying I've fallen, I can't get up, right? Uh, we have fallen in our spiritual walk, and we can get back up. The Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Listen, don't lean on what you think is right. Don't lean on what you know is best. He said, lean not unto thine own understanding, but in all thy ways, acknowledge him. In every way, put your focus and your attention squarely on God Almighty and his word. He said, in all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall what? Direct thy paths. Well, you, you really think I can then do this, don't you, Pastor? Absolutely. And I think it's the key to a confident Christian walk. Finally this morning, letter B. A is walk in the light, and letter B, uh, we see die to self. You say, well, that's real morbid. We're to die to our selfish desires. In fact, Patrick Morley wrote in his book, Walking with Christ in the Details of Life, he says this, the American gospel has evolved into a gospel of addition without subtraction. It is the belief that we can add Christ to our lives but not subtract sin. It is a change in belief without a change in behavior. A changed life is one that has added Christ and has subtracted sin, that attracts a world weary of worn-out words, Obedience is the proof. Why is it a church like ours can grow? Is it because it's friendly to the viewer? Most of you would say, well, it's a little warm in here right now, Pastor. Some of you would say it's a little cool in here, Pastor. Uh, Pastor, you've been preaching now for 35 minutes strong. You've gotten really loud. A couple times I thought you were yelling at me. Is that why people come to our church? No. People come to our church because the Bible is preached, God willing, and it always will be. And it is preached with the conviction and the power that you and yourself are a sinner and fall short of the glory of God. We have all recognized that in here. 
And we've all understood in here that only through the word of God and through denying myself do I have a chance to live a good and happy and joyful life. Only through Christ. Nothing through us. There are churches that will not teach about sin. And their pews will be full of people who are still looking for their soul to be satisfied. Romans chapter 6, and we won't look at all of it, speaks of this dying to ourself. In fact, I think it's probably one of the better passages for a new Christian to learn. Romans 6 verses 7 through 11 say this, For he that is dead is freed from sin. It's a wonderful thought. We're dead to the power of sin. We're freed from it. I don't have to serve it anymore because of Christ. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we also shall be, uh, live with him someday in heaven. Verse 9, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, we reckon, or reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. When you and I mortify the deeds of our flesh, when we take the works of our flesh, the world, and the devil, and we crucify them every day, we put them aside and say, I don't want to do those, I'd rather serve God, you're going to be a confident Christian. You're going to be a confident Christian. When you take the sins you're covering and you say, God, forgive me, and you confess them to Him, the Bible says He is faithful and just to forgive you of those sins. Victory comes over sin when we realize that it has no more pull over us. I might add very quickly, if you are giving it extra pull, stop. Be careful what you feed yourself. I remember what Lester Roloff said one time when he was commenting about how someone had hurt him uh, deeply and emotionally. He said, if I'm offended, it's my fault. I'm the one who must die to self every day. Think about that. If you're offended because someone's hurt you, Stop. You're supposed to die to self. You shouldn't have any feelings about that. If there is a sin in your life, confess it. I think of the Queen Elizabeth, the old ocean liner. It lay tired and aching in a dry dock. After years of grueling service in the Atlantic, they had decided to give her a major facelift and then convert her into a floating hotel. As they hooked the cranes to the forward towering smokestacks and began to lift those smokestacks off, they crumbled immediately to dust. The engineers rushed to discover the problem and soon found that the smokestacks consisted of 30 coats of paint and no undercarriage. The three-quarter inch steel plate had long since rusted away in the salty air of the Atlantic. Only the shell was left. The substance was missing and only the decoration had survived. And when I heard that story, I thought, boy, that's Christian. Sometimes we, that happens to us, isn't it? The storms of life have beat on us. The salt of this world has got in and it started to corrode us in a certain way. Oh, but Sunday morning. <laughs> I even put a tie on for you, the preacher. You should be real happy with me. And you got the smile on your face. Sunday night we're here. Wednesday night we're here. We have that veneer. The 30 coats of paint, they're holding up great, aren't they? But underneath we're just full of dust. Because we've let our Christian life erode to the point that we've not taken care of it. We've eroded to the point that we're of no use to God. Perhaps you've been covering up as a Christian a sin that you need to confess this morning. You need to come to the Lord and restore a fellowship to Him. You need to confess. The Bible says, as we read this morning, if we confess our sins, 
He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Others perhaps today need to be for the first time confess your sins. Maybe you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. This morning, if you want to be a confident Christian and have a have confident Christian living, then you need to come today, confess the hidden sins of your heart that even your pastor doesn't know about. You don't need to confess them to me. You need to take them to the Lord and leave them there.